Absolutely Hello? wonderful job tonight. Um, we're going to ask everyone if they will put their phones on mute um, so that we can have no uh, distractions and then we can just hear from the Lord clearly. Can everybody hear me before you do that? Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. We want to thank Trustee John for doing an excellent job. Um, from what I understand, more people can have access without being charged uh, a fee for uh, getting on the line, and we, we thank God for that. I, uh, we, I heard the recording started, and we thank God for this being recorded, so sometimes we can reflect on it. And those members who want to be on the line in the present who can't, they can hear through the recording. Wonderful. And from what I understand, we're working on video presentations also. So, Second Macedonia, we are getting 21st century real quick, and we thank God for um, Trustee John Lewis and his uh, uh, his vision for our our teaching ministry, our video ministry, our sound ministry, and all that he does, and finance ministry, of course. So, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, we thank you for all your many blessings because every good and perfect gift come from thee, O God, and thee alone. And we thank you, God. There is no error in you. There is no weakness in you. There is no flaw in you. You are a perfect God, and we are privileged to be able to teach and to hear what thus said the Lord on this Wednesday night, the 20th of March, 2019, year of our Lord. And we pray for your people who are listening that you would bless them mightily tonight. Use your servant, Joe Lewis Adair, Jr., for your glory, because I can't teach until the teacher show up, and that is the Holy Spirit. Show up now, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Tonight, um, I'm interested in salvation as we continue to celebrate the season of Lent. Of course, again, I'd like to just remind you that Lent is a season of 40 days where Ash Wednesday to Resurrection Sunday is a good time for us to reflect on our lives, our relationships with Christ, uh, the things that we do, the things that we do not do, trying not only to build up our spiritual man, but we should try to also build up our physical man. It's very important for us to be healthy physically so that we are physically able to go and do what God has called us to do. And we thank God for the willing saints, amen, the willing workers uh, of the Lord. And we thank God for um, this uh, next week when we're going to celebrate our Women's uh, Month. I want to call it Women's Empowerment Month. That's my, my little word for it, because God has blessed Second Macedonia Baptist Church of Elizabeth, New Jersey, with some awesome women awesome women, and your pastor loves you, your pastor appreciates you, and your brothers in Christ, your sons in Christ, your fathers in Christ, your brothers in Christ, mainly, we're going to put together a meal that you'll be talking about for the next, at least the next year, and brothers, I want to do this annually, every March, the end, the last Sunday of March, we want to um, preempt Sunday school and have this food. Um, I'm asking all the men on the line, I'm going to ask you again Sunday, Pastor needs to meet with you at the service on Sunday so we can begin to get our ducks in a row. And sisters, y'all pray for us, amen, because we don't do this a lot. 
and do this a lot. But I'm quite sure that it's going to be something wonderful because we're going to put a lot of love in it for you. Okay, praise God. Tonight I'm interested in First John, the epistle, not the gospel, but the epistle of First John chapter 5, starting at verse 11. Okay, the epistle is all the way back. The Bible is right there by Revelation. Amen. For those who may not know, right there, right by Revelation. And never be afraid or ashamed to look at the table of contents in the beginning of your book uh, until you get familiar with um, where the, uh, the books are. Amen. Give you a few minutes to turn there. Tonight I want to talk about blessed assurance. Blessed assurance. And if you don't like that title, I want to give you another title that says, How to Be Saved and Know It. How to Be Saved and Know It. It's one thing to be saved, but it's another thing to know that you're saved and be bulletproof in your salvation. And you can tell someone why you know you're saved. All right? Again, that's First John, the epistle of John. He wrote this while he was in exile on the Isle of Patmos. God gave him a revelation. Amen. Praise God. It's the same John that wrote the Gospel of John, the same John that the Bible tells us the one whom Jesus loved. Okay? Chapter 5, verse 11. If you're there, let us begin reading the Word of God. I'm reading tonight from the King James Version of the Bible because I believe it reads the best in this particular text. And this is the record. John says, that God has given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son, Jesus. He that has the Son has life, and he that has not the Son of God has not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, that you may know that you have eternal life, that ye may know that you have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God, the Word of God for the people of God. Blessed is the name of the Lord. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. I used to work with a lady who was overly excited about being saved, and that might sound like a, a paradoxical statement that I meant, but we know and we all know someone who's extra when it comes to their profession of faith. Um, she used to talk about how she was saved, and I'm glad I'm saved. But she could never tell me how she knew she was saved. And a certain person um, later on got arrested and taken out of the city hall in handcuffs because she worked for ABC and she was selling stolen licenses to liquor store owners, and she's still in federal prison today. I didn't. I don't think she was saved. Um, but anyway, it's one thing to say that I'm glad I'm saved, but it's another thing to know why and be able to explain why you're saved, right? And she used to say, I, I, no one can know for sure, Reverend Adair, um, that they are saved. My reply was always, the Bible says, I can and I am sure that I'm saved. In fact, I am sure that heaven will be my home uh, where I will reside uh, for eternity because we know that there are two residencies of eternity. One residency is heaven, 
for those who believe in the name of Jesus. We read that every first Sunday in our statement of faith. And the other eternal place, our resting home, is uh, not a resting home, but it's a place of torment, is a place we call hell where Satan dwells. And we need to understand that because when you reject the salvation, the plan of salvation that God has prepared for you, called blaspheming the Holy Spirit, he blasphemed the Holy Spirit by not accepting the gift that God has given through him, the Holy Spirit's function for those who believe is to lead us to the truth of the cross. Uh, we talked last week about uh, the, the, the meaning of the cross or the power of the cross or the purpose of the cross. And we talked about how powerful it was. The Holy Spirit's function is to lead you to the truth of Christ and the gift of God, which is Jesus Christ. And once you have accepted him, you are saved. And make no doubt about it. It's not, it's not complicated. Um, people make it complicated, but it's not complicated. So John penned some truth that we can take away tonight um, and ease our doubts and replace them with assurance. That's why I'm calling it blessed assurance. Assurance is essential to a healthy Christian life. You have to be sure of who you are and who Christ is in your life because Satan is a great, a great trickster. He can throw a monkey wrench in your belief and have you confused. And there are a whole lot of denominations out there, a whole lot of different things that you may watch on TV and see on TV or hear through the radio that is dogma. Um, it's wrong, government. it's heresy, um, that will lead you astray. Um, for example, let me just uh, give you a few examples. There are people on television that we call the name it and claim it, have it and grab it ministry. They tell you that you have to be rich. They tell you that you have to be rich, and if you're not rich, they tell you that you have to always be healthy, if you're sick, you're not a Christian. You're not a believer because believers don't get sick, which is a, 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 a lie from hell. Um, Hezekiah shows us that he was sick, but he turned his face to the wall, and God added 15 years to him. God's a healer. And, you know, you get my jest. You get my jest. There are some denominations that take bits and pieces out of the Bible, and they turn it around for their benefit. Uh, to make you feel um, uh, confused. Amen. Hallelujah. We had a great evangelist named Carlton Pearson who lost his mind and said that there's no hell. And, of course, he was rejected by the bishops and by the, uh, the great preachers of our nation um, because he said that there's no hell, that there's, uh, the, everybody's going to go to heaven whether you call on the name of Jesus or not. That's not what the Bible teaches. Um, unfortunately for him, uh, if he believes that, he's going to go to hell too, okay? So anyway, I'm going to give you a few points tonight, three mainly, and then I'm going to let you go and do it, enjoy the rest of your evening, okay? The first point I want to talk about is the acquisition of salvation. How does a person get saved? The acquisition of salvation, how does a person get saved? There are many people that think they got saved on their own power, but that's not true. Let me read John 5 and 1. It says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him 
that begot, love, that begot loveth him also that is begotten of him. Okay? Salvation is accomplished, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, through a simple belief in the person of Jesus Christ. Let me say that again to you. Salvation is accomplished. Salvation is won through the simple belief in the person of Jesus Christ, that he is, in fact, the promised Messiah, the Son of God. Amen. I read 1 John John 1 and 11 and 12. Let me read that for you. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Let me get that scripture straight for those of you who write down. John 1, not 1 John, Gospel of John 1, 11 and 12. Okay, let me read it again. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons and daughters of God, even to them that believeth on his name. See how that works? Again. The Gospel of John tells us that he came unto his own, the Jewish people, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, you don't have to be a Jew to receive salvation. You can be a Gentile. Gentile means non-Jew, okay? Verse 12 says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believeth on his name. Amen. You ought to write that down and say, thank you, Jesus. Even though we're not Jewish, even though we're not the ones that he originally came for, he came for us because we call on his name. Amen. Belief is not just mental assent to the fact, but it is total faith and absolute commitment. Uh, Let's read James 2 and 19. James, the, the epistle of James. 2 and 19. Thou believest that there is one God, thou dost well. The devil also believeth and trembles. Amen. The devil trembles on the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. John 6 and 47. The Gospel of John 6 and 47. And I give you these scriptures, brothers and sisters, to prove to you not only that um, what I'm saying is true for you, but you should not just believe me or anyone else who teaches the gospel just on face value. You get into these scriptures and you study them and meditate on them for yourself during the week, during the rest of the week. And if you have any questions on Sunday, pull me aside and say, Pastor, I have questions. Or, Pastor, I didn't find that scripture. Or, Pastor, I don't understand that scripture. I'm your pastor. One of my assignments is to teach you the gospel of Jesus Christ I am responsible for your soul. God has called me to a church called Second Macedonia Baptist Church of Elizabeth, and I have an awesome responsibility, a lot of awesome responsibility, but the main serious, awesome responsibility that I have as your pastor is to be responsible for your soul while you are here on planet Earth. And when God calls us home, he will harvest your soul. And I'm responsible for teaching you the correct, unadulterated word of God. Verily unto him, the Bible says, that scatters my sheep and my flock. Amen. So John, the gospel, chapter 6, verse 47 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, 
he that believeth on on me has everlasting life. Amen. Praise God. He who believeth on me, Jesus says, has everlasting life. Salvation, brothers and sisters, come not on the basis of your actions, but on the basis of your faith in Christ. Action, what he did on Calvary. I cannot depend on the best 15 minutes that I had or some emotional uh, moment that I have um, of my life to get, in, get, to get me into heaven. I am not saved because of anything I have done, but it is pure faith and pure grace. Picture reaching up to God saying, I want to be saved and believe what you have said about Jesus in your word. Salvation only comes to those who are, who are will, willing to place their unreserved faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who salvation comes to. Those of us who are willing to believe and those of us who are willing to believe and to receive that Jesus Christ died for our sins was resurrected on the third day, went back to heaven, and is seated on the right hand of the Father, making prayers or making intercessions for us. Every time the devil accuses us, because he's known as the great accuser, Satan, amen, the Leviathan, every time he comes to God and tries to accuse us of sin or doing wrong in the sight of God, Jesus stands up, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, and he rebukes the devil. Because our blood is, his blood is on us, hallelujah, and we are saved. When God looks at you and I, because we're saved, he looks at us through the prism and sees Jesus, his son. Glory to God. That ought to make somebody shout right there. Hallelujah. Okay, so the second thing, um, the first thing was, hallelujah, the first thing was the acquisition of salvation. How does a person get saved? The second point, brothers and sisters, I hope you are writing this down, is the assurance, the blessed assurance, hallelujah, of salvation. The book of 1 John was written to give Christians assurance of salvation. John uses the word known about 40 times in this short letter. He does this because the Lord wants us to know that we are and we have been saved present tense, and past tense. We are saved for our past sins. We are saved for our present sins. And we are even saved for the sins we have not uh, and forgiven for the sins we have not even committed. Jesus came to redeem us from our sins. The great sin that was committed by Adam and Eve was laid upon us. That's why when David was praying to God for forgiveness in Psalm 51, he said, I was born in sin and shapen in iniquity. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The flesh is sin. So when a baby is born, a baby is born into sin and shapen in iniquity. So Jesus had to come and take that off of us and take it down to the pits of hell for us. In other words, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, Jesus was hanging in our place. When Jesus was pierced in the side and the blood came streaming down, hallelujah, that represents us being pierced. Hallelujah. When Jesus closed his eyes and said it is sin, he didn't say I was sin. He didn't mean the world was sin. 
He means the work that he came to do for us was finished. Picture this. If you were a gang member and someone came by to kill you or to destroy you for what you did, imagine one of your best friends stood in front of you knowing that he was going to die for what you did. That's a pale comparison, of course, to what Jesus did. But Jesus took that bullet for you in a drive-by shooting. Amen. We were all going to hell because we deserved it because of the sin that we committed in the Garden of Eden. But Jesus stood in front of the penalty of death, of sin, that was death, and he took our death. That when the three hours between 12, between noon and 3 o'clock, that it turned dark, the sun refused to shine, the moon was filled with blood, and Jesus said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which translated in Aramaic means, God, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It was because at those three hours, that very moment, Jesus, hallelujah, was taking the sin of all mankind, those who died before he came, those who were there then, and those who will be born after, hallelujah, he died. He was taking all that sin upon him, and he was taking it down to the pit of hell to bury it so it wouldn't rise no more. You ought to say amen and thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. That's what he did. Hallelujah. So anyway, John was writing about Christians as being assured that they're saved. John uses the word known, as I said earlier, 40 times in his short letter. He does this because the Lord wants us to know that we have been saved. In the course of this book, he gives us three basic tests that we can take to determine whether or not we have been born again. And it's important for us to know if we were born again or not. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And I hate to say it because there are people who go and live and go to church every year, maybe for 60 years of their life, and they've never been born again. They may have had a feeling. They may have thought they were saved, but they have not had the spiritual, all right? It's not a physical change. It's the spiritual change that makes us saved. Consider what the Lord has to teach us tonight concerning our assurance, okay? So the Lordship test, give you that, the Lordship test. That's, that's number A, okay, I mean number A, letter A, the Lordship test. Is Jesus, this is the question, the Lord of your life? You can only answer that. I can't answer that for you. Hey, Mimi, I, can, I can't answer that for you. The Lord has and you have to answer that. Okay? Is he the Lord of your life? Is he in control of your life? When we see people who are out of control, cussing and acting um, just extra and doing whatever they want to do, they're in control of their life. You can't tell me that the Lord is in control of their life because when God is in control of your life, there's a certain way you are. There's a certain way you speak. There's a certain way you act. Let me give you a good text for that. First John chapter 2, verse 3. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. There it is. Simple, straightforward, easy to understand. We know that we are saved, and we know that we know him. How? If we keep his commandments, if we do what he tells us to do through his word. He that says, I know him and keep not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him or her. I didn't call you a liar. The Bible 
in First John chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, called you a liar. If you are not following his commandments, if you're not being obedient to what he tells you to do, the Bible says that you are a liar and the truth is not in you. Okay? So in the heart of the Christian, there will be a desire to do the will of God. Amen. Have you ever woke up and went on about your business through life to work or whatever you do in the morning, and you just have this, this burning desire on the inside of your heart to just do good? Not just to do good, but to do good according to the word of God. Unfortunately, there are people who do good but never get saved, and they go going to hell. That sounds harsh. That sounds rash, but that's what the Bible says. You can't go to heaven just for doing good. You have to be good and do good according to the will of God. God is directing you. Hallelujah. The testimony of many people in his life, uh, on this line in my life, is that God took me from being one way to another way. That's how I know I'm saved. That's one of the reasons why I know I'm saved. Because I know that, you know, the, the whole folk put it like this. The things I used to do, I don't do no more. The places I used to go, I don't go anymore because I don't have the desire to do that. God has replaced my desire to do dirty, down-low things to, um, um, to wanting to do good things for him. The person who could care less about what God thinks is not saved. If it doesn't bother you when you can just cuss somebody else or sleep with somebody that's not your husband or your wife or, or look at porn all night long or do whatever, whatever, you put it there, whatever other sin there is, because there are a whole lot of them, then you're not saved. I'm not talking about occasionally slipping because none of us are perfect. Are perfect. But if you can just do things that you know your God is not pleased with constantly, iniquitously, then mm, you may not be saved, okay? You may not be saved. You may be backslidden. You may not be saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It, it ought to bother you when you do things that you know God is not pleased with. That's a good test. That's a good test for you. If you can just do things and say things and act a certain way and it does not bother you and you don't have the fear of God because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, hallelujah, then you might need to go back to the altar, okay? A truly born-again person will have as his heart's desire to obey and to please the Lord. I want to please God. I want to get a well done, my good and faithful servant. When I'm laying there at the end of my life, and I know not because the doctor has said it's over, because he don't have the final say. Hallelujah. But when I know that I know that I know that the end is near, my prayer will be, Lord, have I done good? Have I done good by you, first and foremost? Have I done good by my wife? Have I done good by my children and grandchildren and my family? Have I been faithful as a pastor? Have I treated people well? Do they know that I love you by the way I act? And Well, Lord, I want to hear that good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. Now come up and be master, hallelujah, over many things, and be at rest, my child. That's my desire, glory to God, and I hope that's your desire too, okay? So anyway, I, you know, your heart's desire should be to obey and to please the Lord. Keep sailors keeping the stars at night. I only read that. 
Um, that's a little a poem. That's it's a long poem. I don't want to read that. Um, <clears throat> not sinless perfection, okay? Because we do sin, brothers and sisters. Stop thinking that in order to be saved, you never save. How can you never sin in being in this sinful body, being in this flesh? Don't you know that the flesh wars against the spirit constantly? And guess what? Sometimes the the flesh wins. But it's your obligation to get with God right away. It's called forgiveness. And if you ask him for forgiveness, he is quick and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Okay? So, again, there should be a desire to please God always. All right? So then the second test is the fellowship test, okay? The first test was the lordship test, the lordship test. The second test is the fellowship test, First John 3 and 14. And it says, glory to God, it says, we know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. <laughs> you have to love the brother and the sister. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Wow, that's powerful. Think on those things. Glory to God. But we ought to strive to get along with people. We don't always get along with people. Sometimes we are hard to get along, and sometimes other people are hard to get along. But we can't use that as an excuse anymore because we know better. God wants us to love our brother. God wants us to love our sister. God wants us to not only say we love them, but to act like we love them. Okay, we don't have time to really get into that because there's a whole lot I can say about that. Um, but I'm going to keep focused because I don't want to keep you here all night. But that's a powerful thing to talk about. Do you love me? Hallelujah. Do you love your neighbor? Do you love people? Even the ones who don't like you. See, it's easy to love somebody when they love you back. Can you love that person that got a stank attitude and that's very short and arrogant? That's the true character of love. What is the true character of love? It's called agape. What does agape mean? It's a Greek word for unconditional love. Loving you because I made a choice, irregardless of whether or not you reciprocate. I love you because I choose to love you. I love you because I want to love you. I love you because it's right to love you. That's what Jesus did. He came into a world that didn't love him. He came into a world that received him not. He came into a world that ended up crucifying him, but he still loved us until his death. Glory to God. That's true love, okay? There will be a genuine love for God and his children if you're saved. There will be a desire for unity and peace and fellowship. Hell raises, something wrong with your salvation. If we have any, we don't really have any hell raises on the line um, that I know on the line, who's on the line. But if you're a hellraiser and you constantly want trouble in the church and you want trouble on your job, you're gossiping, you're lying on folks, and you just like to see mess going on, you better check your salvation. Hello. Hello, somebody. Hallelujah. When you see people doing that, pray for them, especially people who go to church every Sunday. Perfect attendance in church is not an assurance that you will go to heaven because church for some people is a habit. Amen. They just go because they like the music. They just go because they like the preach. They just go because they don't have anything better, anything else better to do. 
They're addicted to church for whatever reason. But those of us who love God, we go to church because we want to experience him in worship and the fellowship of the brethren and the sisters. The Bible tells us that we need to go to church. We go there because we want to worship him in spirit and in truth. We go there because it's the meeting place for us. After all the hell and drama and stuff that we go through all week long, it's a place of peace. Why would you go through hell all week long and then bring hell into the church on Sunday? Don't make no sense. And let me tell you something. Satan parks the bus outside every church in America and all around the world every Sunday with a full tank of gas ready to drive you to hell. Glory to God. So you've got to be careful about being the hell raiser. You've got to be careful. I have to be careful. When I say you, I'm talking about me too. Don't think I'm just talking about you. I have to be careful what I say about you. I have to be careful how I treat you. And same for you. Okay? So love will characterize the true Christian. There will be times of struggle between believers. Amen. But true Christians cannot allow those feelings to linger. In other words, when you have art against your brother or your sister, the Bible says you got to fix that. Says it again in, in another text, don't let the sun go down on your anger. What does that mean? That means fix it. Don't let it linger. If you know you're angry with somebody and you choose to suck your teeth and roll your eyes um, when you see them, then you're acting like a baby Christian. This is grown folk church around here. We've got to be higher in the Lord. We've got to know that we've been around and we, you're getting some teaching from your pastor. You're getting some preaching from your pastor. You're getting some teachers from the teachers. And hallelujah, and preaching for the other preachers. You've got to get off that baby milk. You've got to get off that pacifier and know that if my sister or my brother done something to me or I feel as though they've done something to me, a real live Christian will go to them and humble themselves and say whatever you need to say. I do it all the time because as pastors, some of y'all don't know how to address me. Y'all treat me like other people sometimes until I check you or I'll tell you because I want to be respected just like you want to be respected. God called me not to be the boss of the church, but to be your leader. Be careful how you touch God's anointed. Amen. God don't need your help in dealing with your pastor. God don't need my help in dealing with you. But the difference is he called me to be over you. Okay? So let's do that. And I hope you can handle it. I hope you don't take it the wrong way. But again, again, I've always loved my pastor. I didn't always agree with him. I always treated my pastor like go. You know why? Because I know my destiny is tied up into how I handle him. Do I worship him? No, because he only God is worthy of worship. But I know that he is God sent. When you know somebody is God sent, no matter how many warts and freckles they have, that's a man of God. You know the story in Second Samuel when David was getting ready to ascend to the throne and they were warring against the Amalekites and that coward Saul tried to commit suicide, but he, uh, he told that uh, Amalekite young man um, to take my sword and kill me. Jonathan was dead in battle and Saul was lingering and he came to David and said, listen, Saul, King Saul is dead. And David said, how do you know it? Now, y'all know David and Saul had beef. You know, Saul was jealous of David. He tried to kill David many times. 
He used to throw javelins at David while David was in the palace playing his harp, soothing that, that demonic demon that got on David or got in David when God took his spirit from, from Saul. Remember that? And when that young man told David how he took Saul's sword and killed him, David called one of his boys or one of his generals over and said, kill this boy. He said, don't you know? <laughs> and why wasn't you afraid? to touch the anointed of God. Now, listen, that's the way David thought. That's the, way, that's the right way to think. David had problems with Saul. David was the right king of Israel. He knew that God anointed him. I'm trying to teach somebody something. He, that's where we say, touch not my anointed, the other scriptures in Chronicles, but touch not my anointed and do my prophet no harm. David was teaching us something. Don't touch God's anointed. Saul was opposed. Saul was a coward, but he was God's a coward. Hallelujah. He was God's anointing. And we've got to remember that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so let's wrap this up. The relationship test. Ah, that's, a, that's an important one, Bobby. That's, a, that's an important one. Salvation is, vital, is a vital relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible never... Yeah, excuse me. I've got to take a drink of this water on this. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. All right, I'm back. So the third and final one is the relationship test. Salvation is a vital relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I know a lot of us are in relationships, and in relationship, it, it, there is a thing called giving, time listening, understanding, amen, relationship. It's very important that you have a relationship with Jesus besides Sunday morning. If you never open your Bible or you never pray until we get to church on Sunday, you don't have a good relationship with him. If you only pray when you get in trouble and ask God to help you, some of y'all only praying because that, that Powerball is over $500 million. It's okay. I wish you win. And make sure you hit me off. Praise God. Make sure you pay your tithes, too. But if you're praying to win that, that's the only time you pray. That's not having a good relationship with, with Jesus. The Bible never says to point uh, uh, back to some experience to determine the status of your soul. It says to look at your current relationship. Your current relationship, not mom and them, not when you were a baby, your current relationship, present tense. How is your relationship now? Is Christ your companion, your friend, or is he someone you have heard about? What is he to you? I can't answer that for you. Is he somebody you heard about? Right, it is. Are you believing in him or do you have a casual relationship with him? Do you have a relationship with him right now? He isn't like a light snack or a light switch, pardon me, someone you can turn on and off at your will. If he is present in your life, he will make you his own. His presence, brothers and sisters, he wants to live in our lives. He wants to be in our hearts. He wants to love us. 
He wants us to love him. He wants us to be in this life without fear. Why? Because he has overcome the world. And even though sometimes we have missteps and sometimes things happen, talking to a, a young man in, in, in the hospital, you know, whenever I go to the hospital, I'm, I'm the hospital evangelist because I just don't sit there and, and just woe is me because I know that is a test. And God always gives me the strength to pass it because he has work for me to do. But I was talking to this young man, and he was really down on, on God and asking a lot of questions about why God this and why God this. And I had to explain to him that there's a spirit called the devil who's the prince of the air and the prince of this world, and that he does evil deeds. But what I wanted him to understand is that he has a boss, and his name is Jehovah, God. And I want to say that to you tonight. This God that I'm talking about, you knowing that you're saved, you ought to praise God to know that there's nothing too hard for him. Whatever you're going through in your life, I want to encourage you just to look up to the hills from what's coming to your help. Your help coming from the Lord. Remember that. Don't put him second. Don't call your friends before you call on him because your friends need Jesus just like you do. Right? Maybe that you have never been able to grasp the assurance that God has said was yours for the having. You can have it all, he said. When I was a young Christian, my faith was like a roller coaster. I, I went to church initially to find a girlfriend. I went there to like the music. But one day, something happened. I think we used to sing a song that I went to a meeting last night. Yeah, y'all know the song. When I met Jesus, my whole world turned around. And I just thank God for knowing that he's real. If somebody asked you, how do you know Jesus is real? My answer would be, I know he's real, and I'll leave it right there. I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to debate with you. I know he's real. Because through the power of Jesus Christ, I've been able to change my life. He has pulled me out of more danger than I can, I can number. So tonight, brothers and sisters, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born in the spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. I hope it's your story, too. Father, we thank you for this message tonight. We thank you, God, for knowing that we're saved. First of all, we thank you for being saved. And we thank you, secondly, for knowing we're saved, God. Going through this, this world, this dying world, we're travelers, oh, God. We are in a barren land, but, God, you keep us company through your son, Jesus Christ, and your spirit. And we thank you, God, that someone heard the word tonight, and they would change our strength. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.